Hello. Hi. Hi, Julie. How are Hi, you? Christine. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. <laughs> I have turned up the volume on my microphone. So hello, maniacs. You can officially hear Christine oh. a little bit better. I haven't changed any of my volume. I'm just going to be as loud as heck, but you can hear Christine better no. now. Don't turn yours <laughs> up, Julie. Don't do it. So I want to say a couple of things. One is somebody that doesn't know us super well, but is a listener said that our voices sound alike, which I didn't think so. I didn't realize that, Julie. Really? That's interesting. This is Julia. That's and so strange. So, yeah. She suggested that instead of, instead of going, this is Christine, this is Julia, saying each other's name when we talk, like opening a sentence with me saying, Julie, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Christine, I love that idea. <laughs> That's actually SNL. really smart. You have like a SNL sweaty balls look about you. <laughs> that sweater and the way you talked like that, it just looked like the sweaty balls skit from Coming SNL. Up next on NPR. What is that? You want some sweaty balls? Sweaty balls? I don't remember that word for word, so I did my best to improv. Yeah, but that was but good. You just you thank you. I do kind of have like this old lady vibe with the hair in a pony and just this old lady sweater. Um, yeah. I also kind of tell uh, something interesting. So tomorrow, Dana and I are going to Nashville to see our favorite band, Melomaniacs. We will do an episode about this band. Uh, they're a fairly new band and I'm totally in love with them it, to the point where I have a fanny pack that has their name on it. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm wearing the fanny pack and a t-shirt with their name on it to the concerts, plural. We're going to Nashville and we're seeing Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Ooh. That's right. Take a moment to Google it. Take Rainbow a moment, folks. Kitten Surprise. And we're going to see them Monday and Tuesday night in Nashville. So nice. Uh, two days. Nice. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're followers. We're followers. I'm loving it. Groupies. And so because I'm old, if I stand for a long time, my feet start to hurt really bad. <laughs> so I bought some Dr. Scholl's insoles. Okay. <laughs> for this concert, exclusively for this concert. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to, because the last couple of times I've gone to a concert and stood up front and stood in one place with my head slightly elevated to watch them on stage. My neck hurt, my head hurt, my feet hurt, my back hurt. It's, it's terrible. It's gross, guys. It's gross. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to go see them two nights in a row. So I got some Dr. Scholl's insoles and I put them in my shoes and my shoes were too small with them in there. <laughs> I said, well, well, shoot, am I going to have to get all new shoes to wear my Dr. Scholl's insoles? So, and I thought, you know, when, when they, when I, I've been seeing the commercial for Dr. Scholl's insoles my whole life and, and I've walked by the advertisements, no one's ever said, Side note, you have to buy new shoes, you know, <laughs> like, why would I buy them if I also had to buy shoes with them? But I'm like, OK, well, I have to get some shoes. So I went last week to shoe carnival. Sure did. Went to shoe carnival. <laughs> and I bought a new pair of I bought some Nikes, I think. I bought a pair of tennis shoes, which. Oh, you, you went know, tennis you shoes. Know, you, yeah, if you know me, I own one pair of one of tennis shoes at a time and I never hardly wear them. I didn't. But anyway, I bought a new pair of tennis shoes in a size eight instead of seven and a half. And I brought the Dr. Scholl's insoles with me. Smart. Make sure they worked. They worked. I tested them out. 
And then that night or a couple of days later, I was on the phone with Tom Kiefer. That's our little brother. And I was telling him about it. Now, now oh, I also want to say Dana knew Dana was there when I was like, my shoes don't fit. And she's like, well, we're going to have to get you a new pair of shoes. Like Dana was with me. Dana also right. was on my page. <laughs> I'm talking to Tom and he's like, dude, you're supposed to take the insole out of your shoes. <laughs> Replace that and put that in there. <laughs> and I'm like. You can it's take not it in addition of. to it's in no, lieu yeah. of it's in lieu of <laughs> I, it totally blew my mind. Like 49 years. I didn't know. I didn't know insoles came out of shoes. <laughs> I do remember like when Nolan played soccer, like every once in a while, the insole of a cleat would be flying across the field. So I thought maybe insoles came out of sporting shoes at times. I didn't oh know my God. insoles like tech, like normally came out of shoes. I've never taken the insole out of my shoes, except for my Rothy's. Mm. And they have sponsored many podcasts. And maybe they'll sponsor us. Rothy's is a <laughs> pair of shoes you can put in the washing machine and you take out the insoles and you wash those separately. Anyway, that's oh, okay. I was uh, Wednesday years old when I learned that you could take insoles out of shoes. Okay, but so did you return the Nikes? Oh, fuck no. I'm, they're cute and they're super comfy with that extra space. So I'll have the, I'll have the, the insole. Oh my gosh. Right. Even better. But I, I you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy more insoles, Dr. Scholl's insoles. Maybe Dr. Scholl's would sponsor us. And I'm going that would to be a good one. Yeah. I'm going to practice taking the insoles out of other pair of shoes and substituting it. So I'll right. keep y'all posted. Yeah. Let's keep, keep us posted. Main thing we need to be posted on other than how they work in other shoes um, is that um, you're comfortable at this concert and well, you don't have, matters. Yeah. You're going to be might, achy, but you might not be as achy. I'm going to be achy. I, when we were, we were packing up, I was like, Dana, make sure there's plenty of ibuprofen in that bag. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to look cute at the concert. I'm not trying to wear the best <laughs> outfit. I'm taking an overnight bag and I'm taking a plane. I don't want to pack a bunch of stuff. So I'm wearing like elastic leggings. A rainbow <laughs> Do they have the little t-shirt. stirrup things? Like the little, um, like in the 80s? The oh, are, those, are those back? Are those back? Yeah. Stirrup pants? Yeah. <gasps> they are? Yeah. I've seen them on Urban Outfitters. Well, I'm not we cool are name dropping quite a few things today. Hint, hint, if you want to Sponsor us. <laughs> No, I don't. I, I'm not cool enough to have stirrup pants. I just have regular old leggings and I'm wearing them two nights in a row. Well, I did bring a second pair because I'll probably be sweaty. Right. And I'm wearing a Rainbow Kitten Surprise shirt both nights. And I'm wearing a Rainbow Kitten Surprise fanny pack. And I'm wearing size eight Nikes with Dr. Souls insoles. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Let's get going. Let's start this up. Okay. Just want to share I that love it. I'll keep y'all posted. I will also put a link in the show notes to, um, a rainbow kitten surprise video just for fun. That is a, that's a good idea because there needs to be, there needs to be some sort of like context to that. So people can really understand it. So that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. They're a great band. We need to I'm know that. Them. That's really fun right. that we're going, things are starting to kind of, well, they've been, but you know, we're going to concerts again. I, you know, like that's exciting, I but I, I'm afraid it's going to be a a slight window and then they're going to, well, knock wood. I don't know. Okay. So we're going to just start. <laughs> right. Exactly. Moving on. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. It's my turn today. 
It is your turn. Yes. I have gone back and forth. It doesn't matter. This is my song. I chose it yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, I had so much fun doing the research for this. I am doing Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Oh, this is a fun one. Okay. I am going to Google it. I don't know if I can. Karma Chameleon. There we go. Yeah. So I, um, I'm going to take a really deep dive into Culture Club and Boy George. But mm-hmm. let's first. Yes. Let's start with the lyrics. Yes. There's a loving in your eyes all the way. If I listen to your lies, would you say I'm a man without conviction? I'm a man who doesn't know how to sell a contradiction. Mm. You come and go, you come and go. Karma, 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 karma chameleon. You come and go, you come and go. Loving would be easy if your colors were like my dreams. Red, gold, and green. Red, Mm. gold, and green. Didn't hear your wicked words every day. And you used to be so sweet, I heard you say, that my love was an addiction. When we cling, our song, I'm sorry, our love is strong. When you go, you're gone forever. You string along. Every day is like survival. You're my lover, not my rival. I'm a man without conviction. I'm a man who doesn't know how to sell a contradiction. You come and go, you come and go. Karma, 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 karma chameleon. You come and go. Loving would be easy if your colors were like my dreams. Red, gold, and green, red, gold, and green. And then he repeats a a verse there and we'll leave that out. So that is karma chameleon. By the no, gosh, hearing it, it, this is a, this is a good one because it, while I'm, I'm reading it along and I'm listening to you read it along, sing, read it. And then my head, I'm like singing it. I'm like, but the song, the way I'm singing it is totally not the lyrics. Like the, like the, the color one, the, the line about the colors, like, um, loving would be easy if your colors were like my dreams, red, gold, and green, red, gold, and green, like that. I know that like melody of the song, but in my head, I'm like, I don't know what he was singing, but now I know. And it makes it so much more compelling. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like, uh, yes, reading these lyrics take on, and I, this is what I love about what we're doing here is like so many times I'll hear a song or you'll, you'll, you're, you'll pick a song and I'm like, that's what he said in it. I thought he was talking about doing it, you know, whatever, like, cause you can't understand them very well. Or you just never, you know, when that song came out, we couldn't just Google the lyrics. Right. Yeah, like I in, always thought it was him just saying chameleon, saying comma, 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 chameleon, not karma chameleon. Yes. I yes. thought that until maybe a couple of years ago, I, I figured that out. But I've oh, for the whole time back in the 80s and you know 90s, I thought it was just him repeating the word chameleon. Yes. I yes. didn't know the word karma was in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to also say. That um, I never really, I mean, the song was, I now officially like the song 10 times more than I did before because he was not, I mean, I, I hopefully that will continue as I learn more about it, but yeah, you like these lyrics are beautiful. 
Like they're absolutely beautiful. And I just never paid attention to these lyrics because it was just like, oh, comma, chameleon, comma, 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 comma. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just talking about some, I don't know, chameleon that changes colors or something. That's not compelling. This is boring. But now these lyrics are very beautiful. Yeah, I Um, think it was just chameleon, right? So when you mm -hmm. think of a chameleon, you think of changing colors, blending in with the scenery, changing Mm -hmm. their with their environment as needed. So I yes. think, you know, we, the, the word, the name, the word chameleon, that animal is, is known for only one thing. And that's for, you know, what I just said. So it's like, okay, that I always thought he's singing about a chameleon and I recognized that it was probably a metaphor mm-hmm. for a person you know, changing their personality depending on where they were or acting different in different circumstances. But that's as far as I really yeah. looked at it. Right, right. And I think that the the fact that, you know, I mean, yeah, we probably, I, I don't know when it was and I realized that it was karma, not comma. But when I realized, when you think about it, when you, like karma, chameleon, like karma to us is like, when you do something bad, something's bad's going to come back to you. Like put good karma out, you know, karma. And so karma chameleon, but there maybe, I don't know I don't see anything that ties to in the lyrics that say anything about karma. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing it, but like it, it's making a, it's making it like be even more complex. Like, okay, so it's karma chameleon. And he's talking about like our lo- loving would be easy. I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of confusion for me right now. I'm actually very confused, but yet also very enlightened that this song is going to take on a whole new meaning for me. Yeah. I mean, pairing the word karma with chameleon is a strange expression to start. If you just look at that expression. So if chameleon is, is somebody that changes who they are, depending on their environment Mm -hmm. and karma is you get, what you pay for, you get bad things. If you do bad things, you get good things. If you do good things. So tying those words together is a difficult thing to really wrap your brain around. But I do think some of the words he says, I'm a man who doesn't know how to sell a contradiction. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to be uh, the opposite of what I'm supposed to be for people. Mm. And I think that it's he also when he says you come and go, you come and go like you're able to be a chameleon and change for wherever you're supposed to be. Right. Um, But I'm I'm the same all the time. And you are coming and going in a way that's like, you know, Mm. bad karma for me. Like you I, I get what I pay for. I'm not able to change. And so I'm I'm. I'm suffering the price for that kind of, that's kind oh. of what I saw on first glance. Oh, um, okay. Yes. And then he talks about contradictions. He says, you're my lover, not my rival. So, you know, what are we in different circumstances? Like, are you, you know, I want you to know that you're really my lover. You're not my rival. So let's not be these two different things. Yes. And when you cling, our love is strong. When you go, you're gone forever. You string along, you string along like you're like when you're, I guess, like, what is it like when you're, when we're in, we're all in. And then when we're done where it's like, you know, it's black or white, which, yeah. Or when other people are around you're one way and when they're not, you're a different way. You're either totally into me or you're pretending like I don't exist at all. 
And so you're, you know, mm. you're the chameleon that can change with the times and change with the scenery. And I can't yeah. do it because I just love you all the time. Yeah, um, It's kind okay. of what I, what I, what I saw when I just read the lyrics without doing any research. But I mean, when the song came out, I don't know what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think much of anything. Um, the song came out in 1983. So, you know, I mean, Ooh. I was actually the prime, I would have been 11 years old and, and a mm-hmm. lot of their fans were very young and I remember it, but yeah. I wasn't like a, a huge fan. Right. So um, anything else that you kind of, um, I really is going on. You know, I think, it, I, yes, when I first heard it, when I was, when it, I mean, I, I, 83, I was three years old, but you know, when I first heard it in the, whatever, in the eighties, oh, sorry, it was very much like, and I remember the video or something too. And I was like, okay, but what hearing it and like coming across it now, like you can, it makes so like, you see it. You're like, was he out when this came out? Was board George? What was his? No, he wasn't out. He came out um, way late to that no he was he was not okay which is remarkable because i'm I, there's a there, i'm seeing a little picture from the video and he's 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 crossing so many gender boundaries just by just by his appearance which is very commendable and very admirable for the early 80s yeah and that's side kind note. of um no that's gonna be more than a side note that's kind of the road i wanted to kind of go down with this because okay. Um, I started watching a lot of interviews with boy George and, Mm -hmm. and this is a really important conversation to have. And that he is, I am now a huge boy George fan after just Mm. doing this research. The man is so brave and so smart. Mm. So let's start a little. I'm so excited. Side note. I will say that there might be an accidental slip referring him to George Michael. Right. Remember how like last the the one that yeah. we did where I got like, you know, like Billy Idol and, you know, um, he was asked about that in yeah. an interview. That was actually, he really? Yeah. And he's, the, you know, way back when. And he they asked if he had met um, George Michael and he said, you know, we were two British pop stars that emerged around the same time. And our names are similar and people confuse us. And we're actually competitors trying to get our hands on as many listeners as we can. But we met each other once at a party and we were both really nice to each other. But it was like we both kind of knew that we couldn't be friends because we were too much of rivals. Oh, really? Yeah. So he actually oh, was so asked funny. about that. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, That's really interesting. That's cute. I think that's super cute. I, I don't think I have anything like that I thought of. Yeah, I'm really ready to hear about it. Let's. What did they mean by that? Okay. Let's see what they meant by that. All right. So, um. I'll first uh, just just talk about the the song. Um, no, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to go. Well, no, I'll talk about the song. OK, this song came out in 1983 and it was on the album Color by Numbers. And color is spelt the British way. C-O-L-O-U-R. See, I love that. I love it. It was love the it. biggest selling single in the UK in 1983. And it spent three weeks on number one as the number one in the top 40 in the United States. Um, He was interviewed in 1984 by 60 Minutes 
UK version. So there's a, there's a 16 minute show in the UK. Yeah. And he said in that interview, and here's his quote, this song is about the terrible fear of alienation that people have the fear of standing up for one thing. It's about trying to suck up to everybody. Basically, if you aren't true, if you don't act like you feel, then you get a karma justice. That's nature's way of paying you back. And I think, yeah, that's, if you Google the meaning of karma chameleon, you're going to get those three sentences because those, he was asked about this song. That's what he said. And that's pretty much what he's, uh, almost the extent of what he has said about the song. And it's pretty deep. It's deep. I mean, I think, you know, it's about the fear of alienation, the fear of standing up for one thing. Again, I think, you know, the fear of standing up for something instead of doing that, he was talking about being a chameleon where you don't have a particular message or a stance. You change your stance depending on where you are. And that's alienating because you can't be who you really are. Which, right. which in the 80s, is, I mean, that's a, that like that encompasses the entire 80s. Yes, that's such a good point. I mean, yeah, oh my yes, eighties capitalism, making money. You know, yeah, um, yes, and I think it ties into his sexuality too, as we'll as we'll kind of right, see. right, exactly. So he he said that he wrote this song when he was by himself on holiday in Egypt, and when oh. he came back and met with the band members, they did not like it. They thought it sounded like a country western song. And if you listen to the beginning of this song, it does sound country. It starts out. Um, with oh. like a banjo and a guitar, the very beginning sounds kind of country westerny. Just the okay. first few bars, I think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the video, it says at the beginning of the video, Mississippi, eighteen seventy. So it tells you the the place and the lo- the time and location of what's happening. And it's people of all different races, and they're kind of like at a party, but they're kind of dressed in antebellum kind of clothes. But all races are enjoying the party together. And he speaks a lot in his interviews about racial injustice and. um, So in the video um, there, so these people are all at a party and somebody is pickpocketing the members of the party, like taking jewelry out of women's ears without them noticing. And then they all get on a boat called the chameleon. And they uh-huh. make the pickpocketer walk the plank. Oh, like jump in the water. So funny. It's very okay. Like the, the boat is the chameleon and karma. This guy pays the price for being a pocket pick, picket pocker. Picket. <laughs> a thief. Melomaniacs. Oh my a thief. God. A pocket picker. <laughs> okay. I'm not editing that out. That's funny. Okay. That so, was funny. I like that. Um, <laughs> but everyone is dressed in like 1870s, you know, clothing except boy george he is the way he always looks with his dreads and the long t-shirt and the makeup and the hat one earring i feel like um, right yeah yeah yeah. okay um okay so that's the video that's what he said about um the song now Mm -hmm. this is pretty widespread he was open about this later he was in a four-year relationship with his drummer and his drummer's name is john moss and they were together in those four years at the very beginning of Culture Club's big fame. Okay. And John Moss said, 
later interviews that he didn't identify as a gay man. He had never been in a relationship with a man. And he said, George was just so beautiful. I just totally fell in love with him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So George and John were in a relationship when this song came out, when he had, when he had these initial interviews and they had a very volatile relationship. The other band members that were interviewed said that there was fighting. They got physically violent with each other. Boy, George admitted that he was terribly jealous because he was with a man that was actually straight. And he always thought John was going to leave him for a woman. Mm -hmm. And he does later admit that this, this song, when talking about a lover, he means John. So you're my lover, not my rival. And other people, you know, he, he was the front man of the group. So he would be interviewed all the time. And the other members of the group, nobody ever interviewed them or, you know, it was like George Michael and the rest. And so there was some jealousy there too, where John Moss was like, Hey, like I'm in this band. I was here from the beginning. So there was some jealousy. And so Mm -hmm. there was also this inability to be out. So he's totally not living true to himself. Um, And he's in a relationship with somebody who absolutely does not want anybody to know. I think George Michael, I did it. I did it. I said, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I think um, boy, George was like, you know, duh, everybody probably assumes I'm gay by the way I present myself. So I don't need Mm. to make this big coming out statement. But John Moss, the drummer was like, you know, I'm living a pretty straight life. I'd like to keep it that way. Thank you. Um, Wow. That caused some serious problems. Um, Sure. Boy George got his start by going to London nightclubs. He was born in 1961. He was raised in a Catholic family. Um, He had four brothers and one sister. His father was very abusive and he was very close to his mom. Mm -hmm. Neither of them really were hard on him, though, about dressing in women's clothing or wanting to wear makeup. Even his dad was like pretty accepting. His dad was abusive in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad was a compulsive gambler and he would ask George to go with him to gamble and oh. he would bribe him by buying him clothing. And sometimes those, <sighs> that clothing is women's clothing. So, Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. And huh. he says he was inspired by Susie and the Banshees, Roxy Music, Patti Smith, and David Bowie. And of course, he's talked a lot about how David Bowie was you know, this icon to him because David Bowie was certainly challenging gender roles as well in his dress and his look. Right. So George has this instant stardom. He, I watched three interviews of him. One of them, he's 19, one of them, he's 22 and one of them, he's 23. So we have to, we don't realize how young this man was when he became a huge hit. So he was, I'm going to post all of these interviews. If you have time, yes. it is so fascinating to get this glance into this time warp of what was happening. Mm-hmm. He's on Phil Donahue. He's on 60 Minutes. He's on um, David Letterman. And all of the interviews, they are terrible to him. Oh, the, one, no. the Phil Donahue show is a spe- I really invite everybody to watch mm. it. People the, in Phil Donahue's format used to be that most of the questions came from the audience. Phil would just run around and hand the microphone to people. Right. And these, these, I just want to point out some, he's a genius. 
you know, people are standing up and saying, well, we just think you're a bad influence on our children. And he's like, none of us use drugs. We don't get up on the stage and smash guitars. We don't have videos with any sexual content. We don't have girls in bikinis. We don't sing about sex. They don't curse. No, he's like, we are so wholesome. And Jerry Falwell had just come out and called Boy George the devil and said that Culture Club will make people homosexual. (gasps) And so George says, I challenge you, Jerry Falwell, to listen to my music. Now, people are also asking him, you know, do you do this so that you can get more famous? And the Mm -hmm. band came up on stage for a time, too. They were mindful when they released their number one song that got to America, which was, do you really want to hurt me? Mm-hmm. They released it as a single and there was no photo on that cover. They purposely oh. put out that song without a picture mm-hmm. and it became number one too. So the, you know, George Michael, Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus. And the band is like, this is who he really, is. nobody's doing this for, to get more famous. And they're criticizing it. Yeah. That's, that's even more shitty. Sorry. No, 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 that's right. Like they were, I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Now he made, he said a couple just fantastic quotes during the Phil Donahue interview. Mm. Um, Somebody asked him about being a rebel. And he said, if people weren't rebellious, America wouldn't have been discovered in the first place. (laughs) Then Phil says to him at some point, I felt a little defensiveness from you when we met backstage. And George says, well, yeah, that's because you were trying to steal my lipstick. (gasps) These are, these need to be on mugs. Like that rebellious one needs to be on a mug, needs to be on a billboard. Yes. So a woman stands up and says, you know, I don't mind that, that you're dressing up, but why do you have to dress like a woman? He immediately says, why are you dressed like a man? You're wearing a blazer. So then, and half the audience is wearing, you know, 1980s mm-hmm. um, shoulder pad blazers. The women are all wearing men's blazers. <laughs> and then he says, every one of you in here is a poser. You are on TV today in this show and you made an effort to look a certain way. Do you think you could give an intelligent answer if anyone asked you, why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing whatever you're wearing? Right. Because I want to. Yeah, yeah, he was just brilliant. I mean, he was, was just this, brilliant in his answer. Was this a Phil Donahue episode where he's like doing these controversial subjects? Or was he just like, did he have like the band on for their musical? Like, you know, our musical guest is or like, what was no. the Because he always has like, you know, themes or, you know, whatever. It was, was it just, a, it was like 45 minutes of Boy George just, and 15 minutes of Boy George and the band. It was just, oh, so it wasn't an okay. icon. Yeah. And he didn't and play just, any music. And that's the other thing that's interesting. He goes on and does a David Letterman interview the same year. And he doesn't mm-hmm. perform at that one either. Huh? He comes on and all it is, and this is fascinating. So he goes on Letterman in 1983 Wow. Here's some of the questions Letterman asks him. When did you decide to look this way in public? How did your parents react? And he says, my parents love me. It is not relevant to ask me that. He's 22 years old and he's on, he's on David Letterman. And he is just like, I'm not having it. He says that he was turned, he and the band was turned away from a hotel 
in New York, a very exclusive hotel. They told them they had no rooms. And literally somebody came up to the guy behind the desk and said, that is Boy George from the Culture Club. And then they were like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. We have four suites for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He says, people will uh-uh. turn me, oh, people have always turned me away for the way I look. Uh. And he says also, this is interesting. He says, our philosophy is to raise eyebrows about things that were not acceptable 10 years ago and to create good classic pop songs. There's a separation of race in America that is dying and that's good. Radio is now merging, which little did, little did he know that the separation of races would continue in America to this day. And it's arguable if it's much better, but he says oh, his influences were Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, and Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Love that. Then I love that. He talks that. about how he was on an American tour. Again, this is in 1984. And he said, well, we just played in Texas. And at every show, there would be about 300 people outside with signs saying, boy, George is evil. But that's just because they didn't know how to spell beautiful. <laughs> I mean, he's 20. Another one on a like mug. He, yes, he knows. And then he says, he says something and they booed. I don't, I, I didn't catch exactly what remark he made where some members of the audience booed. And he said, what? When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. That's right. Yes, that's so good. Oh my god! I know, I know. He goes on Letterman again in 19, uh, 1998, okay? Oh, okay? David Letterman makes this big thing. It's been 14 years since you've been here. Well, on that episode, mm. performed with the band. What so was he, that one more time? He was what? He performed with the band. Oh, in performed. That. Yeah, right. In 98. And then afterwards, he comes and sits in the chair. And um, David Letterman says, was it hard for you guys to get back together, the band? And he says, oh, it's easy for us to get back together because we're British. We don't talk about things. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says his favorite artists are Marilyn Manson, Radiohead, The Verve, Courtney Love. And he says, but I liked her better when she was a bit more sloshy. (laughs) <laughs> now he's also asked by so funny i know sloshy and that's a perfect word for what she was she was she sloshy was sl- and then she yeah. got her shit together and she wasn't as interesting oh um, she's so much better as a train wreck right sloshy now, monica Lewinsky scandal was going on at this time and this is very controversial nobody would have said this today but mm-hmm. he's asked about the monica Lewinsky thing mm. and he says oh of course i know about it you know everybody knows about it and he says these women are grown women. They could have said no. If Bill Clinton asked me to sleep with him, I would. He has lovely eyes and he's big, like six feet tall. <laughs> yes. And then he goes on to say she only kept that dress so she could plot against him. What's really happened is Bill Clinton has turned into this naughty little boy. And that makes me more attracted to him. Oh my God. Okay, so that is so inappropriate in so many ways to say whether grown women. I mean, we all know that. Yeah, we, we may not know exactly what happened with Monica Lewinsky, but of course, grown women are sexually assaulted all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not making, I'm not supporting his political statement there. I think it's very interesting to show how times have changed. He said that in 1998 yeah. about them being grown women, but it's also like this is just kind of insight into the human that he is. He's like, I would sleep with Bill Clinton. He's really hot. And you can't oh like, like, I wonder coming on, 
Have ahead, you come out ahead. at all about, because that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's like the Chrissy Teigen thing, like, oh, that's going to come back and bite you in the butt when things, you know, like, did somebody come back and be like, hey, you said this at this one point, And now that this Me Too movement is going on, where is your stance on this kind of thing? Has, has any, did you find anything about that? I didn't. I did find a 2019 interview mm-hmm. and th- that that was not brought up. Um, okay. uh, let me find here in my notes what he did talk about. Then <laughs> he made lots of jokes about um, being gay. He was asked, well, you know, if you, he was asked, have you ever been with a woman? Mm-hmm. And he said he had a brief relationship with a woman, you know, very many years ago. And he, he in the interviewer said, well, you know, is that when you realized you were gay? He goes, well, she turned into a lesbian. So I didn't really have any choice. <laughs> but then he says, you know, I wish um, I wish I could say I was bisexual. That might be easier for me to have a choice, but I'm not. I'm just a gay man. Oh, wow. And he also so he is now on the um, oh, oh, here's another hilarious thing he said. <laughs> um, he said. He said back in 1984, I've been in a relationship for four years and I don't talk about it and I never will talk about it. I say things to get people off track. I wrote a song about being a chameleon and I am one. So he did say that. Oh, okay. What do you think about that about him calling himself a chameleon in relation to that song? Oh, that seems. What do you think about that? That seems because when I. When I first looked at it, I was feeling like the other person was the chameleon. Yeah, that's that's actually takes on a whole different thing because, yeah, like from what you're saying and just from, well, from who he is and just, you know, yeah, the, the lyrics, it seems like I can't change. This is me. I'm not going to. But then he's saying that he was a chameleon and. Interesting. I don't know. I don't buy it. I think he was just trying to mess with whoever that was. Then I think he was just trying to mess with us with that interview because we know he's not a chameleon. He, I mean, he can change. Yes, obviously, but he doesn't change due to the his environment. He doesn't walk into like a straight club and act straight. He doesn't, you know, No, just click, just watch those interviews and see what he wore to the David Letterman show mm -hmm. and to the Phil Donahue show. He is not trying to, you know, blend in. Right. What, um, when was that interview where he said the, the, I am a chameleon? Um, that was also in 1980. That was in the 1984, um, 60 minutes one. Okay. 60 minutes had him back in 2019. Oh, okay. He is a judge on the British version of the voice. Okay. He um, has been sober. That was in 2019. At that time, he had been sober eight years. So there's some there's some uh, bad mm-hmm. press that um, Boy George got, and I I I didn't want to focus on that. Yeah. I think genius, but he had a problem, okay. and so he did end up getting in some trouble. He had to do community service and sweep up the streets in London as community service when he got in trouble. And there's some video footage of that, which I'm not posting. In 2019, he's like, you know, I'm great. I'm sober. He said that he walked into an N.A. Narcotics Anonymous meeting eight years ago and he'd been sober ever since. Um, Wow. And he here's I want I want to give this as one of his this is my favorite quote by him. Um, 
somebody asked him, this is again in 2019. They said, mm-hmm. so, you know, so what, what's the deal? Like, are you homosexual? Are you bisexual? And he said, am I bisexual? Yes. If I want sex, I have to buy it. Am I homosexual? Yes. If I want sex, I have to have it at home. <laughs> I just think he's brilliant. You know, he's he's because he probably that he just pulled that out. I mean, I'm sure he was expecting that question, but yeah, that is. (laughs) He's really funny. If you watch again, his first interview, he went on David Letterman in 83 and then again in 84 or 83 and 85. The first one, he's very nervous and he's still trying to use his humor, but it's not going over as well. And I think it's because Mm -hmm. people know him well enough. And then on, you know, like two years later, his jokes are a little more well-received, but you can Mm -hmm. still see this lack of respect that he's getting from David Letterman, Phil Donahue. Mm -hmm. The 16 reporters were a little better. Yeah. You can just see the way that he is taking their lack of respect for him and turning it on its head with his really smart humor. Right. Did he write a book? Is there a memoir or anything? Did he did write a book. Okay. I didn't write down the name of the book, but he did. He did write a book. Uh-huh. And he also did, I don't know if it was on Broadway. I think it was in the UK, but he did. He wrote and was in a musical. Oh, cool. And he, I'm trying to think, um, there was a, you'll have to Google this. There was a Snoopy doll that was made back in the 80s called Snoop. And it's a dog wearing clothes like him and with the dreadlocks. Yes. And he talked about, he was asked in several interviews, do you make the same amount of money as the other people in your band? Which have you ever heard that asked of an artist? No, that is insane. He was asked that multiple times to which he said, no, he said, the only, he said, the only place I make more money than them is it's with the boy Snoop. David Letterman's oh. like, oh, what? Like, oh, they made this little figurine out of me. It's a Snoopy doll that looks like me. And I get all the money for that. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. So was he always just like out or did, was there a period of time where people like they were asking that because they genuinely like, when did he, did he officially have like a, I came out kind of thing? Cause I know that George Michael had a different situation, but I don't remember there ever being like, boy, George comes out. Do you know what I mean? From my research and from everything I've read in his interviews, he really never did. I mean, it's not until very recent ones that he's like, I'm a gay man. He was asked, do you ever want to get married? He said, no. Do you ever want to have children? No. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to find a partner though. I mean, it's not until very recently that there's open talk about that. And I think, I think that's part of his like, Maybe again, this is part of his chameleon thing. Yeah. He is so, he has so many layers and he's out in the public eye and he's not going to say what people want to hear. People want him to say, um, I'm a gay man. Or, you know, back in those days, they used different terms that are not acceptable today, but terms today might be, I'm a trans woman, or Mm -hmm. he never, ever said any of that. And I think everybody wanted him to. Right. And, and he, he didn't just, want to give them what they wanted. No, he's like, I'm not going to tell you really what I am. It doesn't matter what I am. Like, this is who I've always been. Right. I'm not labeling it. I would be curious to see, 
you know, what his take might be on some transgender issues as we know them today. Right. Um, but that type of um, the proper terminology and the knowledge and the respect that we have for trans people, this country didn't have in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So he could mm-hmm. not have come out and said, hey, I'm a trans person. If he if that was the right term, I don't know that that would have been the right term for him. He couldn't mm-hmm. have that back then. But I think even if he could, he wouldn't have. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to be, he wanted to be a smart Alec. He's like, I want to be just, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to beat around the bush because if anything, it, it like maybe not, you know, he wasn't trying to make more money, but like it kept the element of surprise for people. And they were like, and also, I mean, maybe he was not being upfront and saying, because in the eighties, if you said I am gay and I just recorded this album, it won't get played on the radio. You won't be able to stay at those fancy hotels. Like, so maybe a part of him was like, I'm not going to, I mean, maybe not, but things are going well for my success and for my band. And if I do this, this, or that, it could wipe that all clean. Like we won't have any of that anymore, which is so, so disgusting. So disgusting. What was it? I wanted to ask you the person that said that he, his music was the devil or something, Josh, something with Jerry Falwell, Jerry Falwell. So an, People might not know guy. who that is. Okay. Yeah. Jerry Falwell, the Jesus guy of the time. Yes. The Jesus guy of the time, which I think there's always going to be a Jerry Falwell or a, what's the other one? There's always going to be something of our time. The you know, there's like, oh, and there's, Jesus. yeah. Like, you know what uh, I mean? Like the Jesus. Jim Baker. Yes. Yes. Tammy Faye's whole thing. And, you know, anyway. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I think that's, I think it's, it's just so telling. It's so it's so interesting to think about the kind of bravery mm-hmm. that this person had to do what he was doing at this time with like no shame, no apology. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch these interviews, it's like he is smarter than everybody around him. He's unshakable. Yeah. He's being disrespected, but he handles it just like a pro. There's a lot from, from that. There's a lot for us to learn Mm -hmm. in the way that he dealt with such judgment. Right. That's so true because, you know, now, you know, we're watching some old interviews of Britney Spears come up and you just see her just like completely demoralized and just, she just is like, okay, you know, the poor girl, she, you know, like she was probably asked similar questions that he was, that boy George was asked. And she, gosh, I mean, imagine what would have happened if she said, and I mean, who knows, it might've been, had a different reception, but if she would have stood up for herself, not to say that she didn't, or she couldn't, or any of those things. I mean, it sounds to me like she couldn't, but if you were to say certain things, you could, people will just judge you and just there's to be a famous person and go on those interview shows is just brutal when you're young. And he, you know, boy George was young. Exactly. And when you see him say how old he is, like, oh my God, yeah. you're a baby out there facing that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. I don't think I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah. 19 years old. Jesus. You know, what are they, what's the saying? I didn't know my ass from my elbow when I was 19. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure somebody says that. You've never heard that? I'm sure t- that, I didn't know um, my ass from my elbow when I was I that age. I didn't. He doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. I've heard that, but I didn't know the elbow one. That's funny. That's good. That's good. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, I he, just yeah. I've heard Dave Kiefer say that, but what do I know? Well, it might be. That might be. It's a possibility. <laughs> so I feel like mm, I feel this like is a good one. I feel really like happy and grateful that we're even doing this because I I really do feel like I learned a lot about a lot a lot about a lot of things a lot about humanity and I never really gave mm-hmm. um culture club or boy george a second thought and now yeah. I'm I'm gonna follow him on Instagram faux show oh faux show that's a good follow for sure I've definitely um, like I might even buy his autobiography his book is called take it like a man oh yeah, yep. that would be, I bet that you, you should definitely, yeah, I bet that's a good read. Just, just judging by like how his react, like what he would say in these interviews and his knowledge and his, you know, intelligence, I, I bet it's really, and also hopefully he dives into the four brothers, one sister kind of thing. Cause you know, we can relate to that. We sure can. And especially, you know, his, his upbringing maybe kind of shaped him as well. That stuff is, I'm curious about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Add it to cart, baby. Add it to that Amazon cart. Yep. Looks like you or your local bookseller or your local bookseller. Of course we would prefer that. Publish it in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Plug in Amazon. Let's not plug Amazon. Emma who? No, I've never heard of that. No, (laughs) I've never heard of it. We left bank books. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. All these shout outs, all these people that could, there is a lot of us. shout out that could sponsor us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, just saying if you want to, this was a good one. I feel wholehearted and complete and good. woke in ways <laughs> that boy George can provide for us. So I love, this was a good one. I never thought that I never thought that karma chameleon was a, I guess we can dissect it as a love song. Yeah. yeah. Would we, would we categorize it as a love song? I mean, I, I think, I think sure. Definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, so much of the lyrics are about, you know, he's talking about you come and go loving would be easy if your college were like my dreams. Yeah. Um, you know, he certainly, when you, when we are together, our love is strong. When you go, you're gone forever. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many more layers to this song than, that we still don't know and I yeah I had it just felt like this kind of song that I had to just really delve into this person to figure it out you know oh yeah no for sure and I think that's part of the process of you know diving into the song lyrics whether it be a group or a band or something is we we can't tell the story of a lyric or anything without a little bit of context of the person it's almost impossible yeah you know like, I think it's, yeah. yeah, we have to know more about who's writing it and who they are and what they were doing at the time. And, and the fact that this song was written and performed and, you know, was like popular in the eighties is another telling tale, you know, like things are different. It, things were very different in the eighties <laughs> and it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was very different. Yeah, I was thinking last night when I was watching Phil Donahue, I'm like, you know what? I could fall into a rabbit hole of watching old Phil Donahue shows mm-hmm. over and over again just to see. Because I actually mm-hmm. always liked him. And I yeah. think he, I, I don't know. I could be I could be wrong. There may be some really like bad press that he got for something. But I always thought that he was mm-hmm. a pretty compassionate, um, liberal kind of guy. 
Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think that's what he was known for. I mean, he was a very open and accepting person. I think he was known for being that way, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he had KKK members on his show and, you know, he did a lot of very controversial things. And I'd like to see mm-hmm. other stuff like this that makes you go, oh my God, that's cringy. You can't yeah, exactly. You can't do that. I think he had an episode where he, ha- maybe it was him. I think it was him where he had members of the KKK and then he had like, you know, members of, you know, the community that the KKK were trying that, that hated like all like within the same like yeah. show on the same stage, even I mean, Oprah might've done that as well, but. Well, Geraldo did that and that's how he got his nose broken. Oh, that's what it was. That's yes. Of, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking of. There was a fight. That's. What... <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. He had the skinheads on. I think they were more identifying yes. skinheads. I don't know. There it is. Okay. But go back and watch I'm, some old Phil Donahue. I am going to go down a rabbit hole and do that for sure. That is very, that is something that can definitely, yeah, pass the time. Quick question. Did John Moss ever come out or did he ever have other relationships? What's their relationship now? Him and George, Boy George. Do you know? uh, they are friends. You know, the okay. band has been back together. They tour together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think John Moss has has ever come out as gay. I don't think he identifies as gay. But mm-hmm. uh, there was a scene in the 2019 interview where they were all at George's house and they're getting ready for the tour and everybody's getting along just fine. All four of them. Yeah. So I think they got through that. They and, got through that. Yeah. That's which cool. is great. I mean, that's you know, huge, bands yeah. split up for a lot, you know, for reasons that are petty. You know, and these guys stuck together. So that's awesome. I love that. This was a good one. I like. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm I like that. This was a good one. Good job. I'm here for it. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. Yeah, I feel like we covered it, and I we got a good sense of what we each thought about it, and what did they? And we we definitely figured out what they meant by that. So I feel yeah, this was a good one. Oh yay! Thanks. Yay! Yes. Um. So everyone, yeah, we will proceed. Uh, Send us an email if you have any suggestions. We had some family gatherings over the last, you know, couple of days and lots of like chat. We got some really great like suggestions that I'm kind of like, and I know you were like going to do this one. And then somebody suggested was talking about this. You're like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So yeah, I'm in the same boat guys. It's my turn next. So I think maybe a suggestion might be what's going to send me into like full, decision mode so send me a suggestion sisters at what did they mean by that.com because find us on all the social medias yes and continue on the social medias with christine and her witty banter and her hilarious videos give us five stars write a review all that stuff all of that stuff yes thank you for this awesome song christine i love it great job all righty bye-bye bye-bye so long farewell